0: Hello everyone, it's great that you could join me here again at the Teachers Tribe Podcast. I'm your host, Maxine McFarlane. Can you remember the names of your teachers from childhood? Have you ever considered why they made such an impact on you? It's amazing to me that 25 years have gone by since I first started teaching. My first teaching assignment was at the primary school that I attended as a child. I have been reflecting quite a bit on these years and contemplating the impact I've had on children. Have you ever considered what kind of impact you have made on your students or children as a parent, teacher, or caregiver? Stay tuned as we reflect together in today's episode. I mentioned earlier that I taught at the primary school that I attended as a child. I will always remember the joy and pride I felt to have been hired to work there. I must admit that it was initially somewhat intimidating to be working with some of my former teachers. Let me share a funny story about how I ended up with my first teacher at that school. I was about seven years old when my mother took me there to be registered. I had just completed grade two at my previous school and was really looking forward to moving on to grade three. I remember being in the office and someone gave me an informal entrance assessment. Now, in my mind, I believe I was placed in grade two because I couldn't subtract. Well, that's what what I can remember. See, I remember being asked something like, what is nine subtract three? Oh, how I wish I had said what I was thinking. Because in my mind I was saying, that really looks like a takeaway sign. Unfortunately, I opted to respond, I don't know. I can't remember if I was very disappointed with this placement, but I remember how much I loved my new second grade teacher, Mrs. Burke. I will always remember that she was my advocate. After only two weeks, she decided that I could no longer remain in her class. And that wasn't a bad thing. She went to the principal and requested for me to be promoted to grade three. I believe I visited her every day during my lunch break that school year. I also can't remember anything she taught me during those two weeks, but I certainly remember how she made me feel. Years later, when we worked together, The tables were actually turned and I provided training and she became my student. We had a good laugh about the situation and it was a special experience for us. In her words, the teacher has become the student and the student has become the teacher. She certainly made an impact on my life. Making meaningful connections with the children in our care is important. It wasn't easy to leave my new friends and wonderful teachers in grade two. Coincidentally, my new teacher and I had the same surname. Although I didn't know it at the time, I discovered many years later when I went back to work at that school and I was going through some records in the office, that's when I realized that she was doing her internship the year I was her student. The greatest memory from that year with Ms. Hutchinson was the model community that we built as a social studies class project. We reused containers and items that we brought from home to create this project. Every student in our class created at least one item in the display and we proudly pointed out what we made to anyone who came to visit. Whether it was a building constructed out of a toothpaste or a soapbox, or a tree that was drawn, cut out, and glued onto the board, we eagerly described the various components and their importance in the community. We were very protective of, of this project and were quick to tell other visiting students to look but don't touch. It was a lot of work, but we learned so much without even realizing that she was actually teaching us social studies concepts in the process. This teacher facilitated what I refer to as the joy of learning. Over a decade later, I returned to that school, hired to teach grade one. There were 49 students in my class that year. Yes, you heard me correctly, 49. Without an assistant, I might add. I still hold fond memories in my heart of that first year. Sharing the joy of learning that I had as a child at that same school made the 11 years I spent there very special for me, a past student turned teacher. Throughout my career, it has always been my goal to engage my students in more than just meeting curriculum objectives or standards. I have a deep desire to help them to experience what I like to refer to as the joy of learning. My definition of the joy of learning is a state of being immersed in experiences and thoroughly enjoying the process while learning happens spontaneously. In this state, students often only realize after the fact that they were learning. An incident that happened when my firstborn was in first grade is a good example of what that is. It was very early in the first quarter of the school year, and I was teaching fourth grade at the same school. We had only moved to North Carolina a few weeks before, so I had a parent conference with his teacher. She told me she was in the process of doing running records and she would get to him the following day. On our drive home the next afternoon, I asked him if his teacher had done his um, reading assessment. He said no. And so we moved on to talk about other things, you know, reflecting on his day. A couple days later, during our usual catch-up talks in the car on the ride home, I asked him again about the testing. I was surprised when he once again told me that he hadn't been tested. I was anxious to find out his reading level because he was in a brand new school system and I wanted to know where he was when compared with the established benchmarks. I asked him a few more questions trying to determine if he was sure that he hadn't been tested. He casually remarked that the only thing his teacher did with him was to call him over to her table to read some books and ask him some questions. Oh, how I wish that all students could have that same experience. He felt that he was simply doing something he enjoyed and was free from the stress that assessments often create. I must confess that I regret the times that I have lost focus on that important element because I was caught up with testing and the demands of covering the curriculum. I have been blessed over the years to have former students come back to visit me. I would like to believe that I somehow managed to be the facilitator of the joy of learning for them and that is why they chose to return. Maybe I should start surveying my students to collect some data about how I do that. That could be something I collate for a future episode. Now I invite you to reflect with me by considering three questions. I hope you'll use them to examine your impact on those in your care. These are the questions that I have used as I reflected on how I've created the joy of learning or at least facilitated it. So my first question is, do my actions show that learning is enjoyable? I'm aware that personalities impact our teaching styles and interactions with children. As an important adult in a child's life, What have we done to highlight the fun in educational experiences? Do our eyes light up? Is there a change in the pitch of our voices? Are lessons and learning activities mere tasks on the to-do list? One of the highlights of this unprecedented school year in my classroom was called paleontology day. This was actually the brainchild of one of my co-workers who generously shared the idea and some resources with the rest of the team. We were teaching a unit about fossils from our English Language Arts curriculum and the students were very interested in this topic. They were introduced to a variety of both fiction and non-fiction texts and other resources that they enjoyed gathering information from. It was amusing to hear parents' reports about the vast amount of information that their children were providing about what they were studying. I must admit that the information overload for the parents that they had to endure was exciting and a moment of sorry, not sorry for me. It took quite a bit of effort on my part to make Paleontology Day happen. I purchased hats for each student to help them get into the role of being a paleontologist. I did a mini classroom transformation to set up five different excavation sites where students dug for fossils. You can check out photos from that day on my blog at theteachersdrive.com. A few days before the big day, students were organized into groups and they collaborated to come up with names. I encouraged them to use their creativity to come up with names that reflected the focus of the unit of study. And this is what they decided on. The first group called themselves the Miners. Another group, Excavation Crew. The third group, Fossil Hunters. Fourth group, Digger Nation. And the fifth group, Bone Kids. Quite creative, I would say. Before leaving for the weekend, they were also tasked with using the paleontology paleontology crew checklist that I provided. And they would use this checklist to gather tools and pack their toolboxes and bags in preparation for the excavation. They had learned about the different tools that paleontologists use on excavation sites as well as in labs. I could see their excitement mounting. They were totally blown away when they arrived on Monday morning to find caution tape hanging from the doorway of their classroom. We turned off the lights and took a virtual flight. We got on our airplane and flew to Lyme Regis in the UK. They thoroughly enjoyed working as teams and digging through containers filled with sand, finding different fossils that were buried there, sorting them and drawing sketches. They took turns in the roles of excavator, transporter, organizer, and topographer. Thankfully, two parent volunteers came in that day to support me with supervision and help to serve what I call DIRT snack. That's another piece of making um, learning fun. The ingredients for the DIRT snack were vanilla and chocolate pudding, crushed Oreo cookies, and animal and footprint crackers. I'm quite sure that this second-grade memory will linger in the minds of my students, as it will in mine. Graphic organizers were used to capture different stages of this experience and was later culminated with a personal narrative about finding fossils. The students wrote some very interesting stories, and it was all based on their first-hand experience even though it was an imagined experience of flying to Lime Regis to dig for fossils. Now, I realistically cannot create this large-scale learning experience every day or even every week. The takeaway, though, from this experience is the idea that I can make regular lessons exciting by just being creative. I think of a former instructional assistant that worked with me some years ago. She is a passionate and energetic educator who would stand on a table and pronounce hear ye, hear ye, just before our weekly spelling test. That simple act elicited smiles and giggles and made our students more relaxed during an assessment. It was something exciting to look forward to. I'm happy to know that this former instructional assistant is now a certified teacher, and I'm sure she's still facilitating the joy of learning in her students today. The parent of one of my past students from several years ago recently sent me a message asking for the name of the song that I used to play before an assessment. Her child wanted to use it to show a character trait for an assignment that he was working on. I would play Kenny Rogers' The Greatest to get my students mentally prepared and also as a source of motivation. It obviously made an impression because so many years later, he still remembered it and was now asking about it to include in a project. When my boys were younger, they would do summer school with me. I became a teacher parent every summer. And we would do this in order to minimize summer slide and prepare them for the upcoming school year and their new grade level. I could tell that they didn't initially appreciate it and would rather be doing something else during the hour. It was just one hour that we set aside each weekday for formal learning activities. Talking with one of them about that recently, I realized that they actually enjoyed it because we found ways to extend their learning beyond what was in the books. My oldest son remembers reading a passage about golf and had additional questions related to what he read about the masters. So we encouraged him to do some research to find out more and he was excited to do that. During those summer months, we would take the boys on weekly trips to the public library to check out books. Cookbooks were my middle son's favorite and making some of the recipes brought him a lot of joy. Reading books was something that was encouraged, so these trips didn't take any extra effort. The additional benefits derived were those opportunities that we created as extensions to what they read. I could go on citing many more examples, but I think you should get the idea by now. Making learning meaningful can be as simple as just doing regular activities differently. The second question that I use during my reflection is, what are some traditions that I have established in my classroom or home that my students or children look forward to? So let me go back to another personal example. In the summer of 2007, my mother and I took a trip to Jamaica. We went to the craft market in Montego Bay and I purchased a stuffed animal that became the class mascot in each of my primary grade classrooms since then, even this past school year. I was so happy that I was able to do it before and everybody got a turn before schools closed. So the mascot is a monkey and he has dreadlocks. So naturally I named him Monkey Dread. Over the years, my students have looked forward to taking him home for a few days and including him in their family activities. He travels in a black tote bearing his name, which also contained a notebook and two other books for them to read to him. The students record their real and imagined experiences with Monkey Dread. They draw pictures and take photographs to create a journal entry. Monkey Dread has reportedly gotten into so much trouble over these years. He's done things like jumping on the bed, going downstairs, to grab donuts and cookies for a midnight snack or eating all the bananas that were purchased for the family. So the students really enjoy incorporating him into their family. On the day that Monkey Dread returns to school, the student gets to share the entry during morning meeting and their classmates ask a few questions. I am amazed that this tradition is still something that my students enjoy. In fact, One year, I taught fourth grade and decided that I would just give Monkey Dread a break from traveling since I was teaching older um, students. I thought they would feel that taking a stuffed animal home was more suited for younger students. Well, I had previously taught some of these same fourth graders two years before in second grade, and I was surprised when some of them asked about Monkey Dread and if they were going to take him home i reflected on why this simple activity, which has now become a tradition, has been so impactful and exciting for my students over the years. I believe there are a number of reasons. This tradition allows each student to be the main character in their own story, the star of the show. There are no grades attached to this assignment and the students have autonomy about what they create and how they present it. They get to use their imaginations, infuse humor, and demonstrate the character traits of responsibility and creativity. I think this is a recipe for facilitating the joy of learning. I want to point out that a lot of learning actually takes place during these adventures with Monkey Dread. Students get to practice reading and writing skills. They draw illustrations to match the text in the journal. They practice listening listening and speaking skills by asking and answering questions. Some elements of those moments have been captured in several notebooks, as well as in my heart as a treasure of good memories. The third question that I've contemplated is, What deliberate steps can I take to facilitate the joy of learning? This time of reflection and focus on the importance of making learning a joyful experience for my students has also impacted my plans for the future. In a few weeks, I will be embarking on a journey into this new school year, almost like a brand new teacher. I started this episode stating that I have now taught for 25 years, however this upcoming year will undoubtedly be like a first because of the unknowns and the circumstance in which we will have to provide instruction. In my district for example, we just um, learned that we ultimately will be using a hybrid model, however that was just amended, we will start off the school year with remote learning. So all of this is brand new. I'm going to have to meet my students online. I'm going to have to find creative ways to engage them. I will have to enhance my creativity to ensure that my students not only master concepts and attain established benchmarks, but also enjoy the process and make meaningful connections with what they are learning. So I think this is a good time for goal setting. I need to set some goals for this year. I will deliberately seek to instill the message to both my students and their parents that we will interact within an enjoyable learning environment. As I have done in the past, I will survey parents and students to determine the students' interests and figure out their learning styles. Then I'll utilize that information to plan instruction to enhance engagement. I will unreservedly demonstrate my passion for teaching and learning. It has to be evident that how much I'm enjoying it. It may take dressing up, dancing, singing off key, designing engaging lessons, or doing a transformation. Last school year, our instructional facilitator engaged us in a book study of Dave Burgess's book, Teach Like a Pirate. As you contemplate what steps you can take to facilitate the joy of learning, consider these quotes from pages 10 and 12 of Dave Burgess's book. And I quote, almost every personal passion can be incorporated into the classroom. Resist any movement that attempts to clone teachers and lessons and instead rejoice in the fact that it is your individuality and uniqueness that will always lead you to become the most effective teacher that you can be. End quote. As you explore your own passions, use these three questions to reflect on how you can impact the children in your life by also facilitating the joy of learning. Here are the questions again. Question one. Do your actions show that learning is enjoyable? Two what are some traditions that you have established in your classroom or home that your students or children look forward to? And I might add that if you haven't established any traditions, now is a time to think about something that you could do so you can create your own traditions. And question three, what deliberate steps can you take to facilitate the joy of learning? I think it's a good time you to set some goals for yourself for this school year. Please join me on this exciting journey that will be mutually beneficial to you and the children in your life. Remember to visit my blog to find pictures related to the activities mentioned in this episode. I hope you will find inspiration there as you contemplate the three questions. Until next time, walk good?